There's so much focus on racial injustice right now. It's history in the nation and Chicago. Part of that history includes redlining. The term comes from maps made by the federal government in the late 1930s. They drew red lines around African-American neighborhoods and urged banks to steer clear, not to offer home loans there. WBEZ and the nonprofit newsroom City Bureau have been looking deeply into mortgage lending in Chicago now. Our findings could make you think modern-day redlining is alive and well. WBEZ's Linda Lutton has the story. Anytime anyone applies for a loan to buy a house or a condominium or a giant apartment building, any kind of housing, the lender must report that, along with a bunch of details. Who applied for the loan? What happened to the loan? Where it was done? Did it apply for this federal program or that federal program? That's Andrew Fan from City Bureau. He crunched much of the data for this story, and he knows that data inside out. He used to work at a bank compiling these numbers for submission to the federal government. Well, really boring process. But then, you know, I realized you could actually take all that data and look at it, you know, for everyone, from my own bank, for every other bank. And you could really see how everyone was doing side by side, what neighborhoods they were lending in, uh, what communities they were lending in and also where they weren't. Where banks and other financial institutions lend matters. Researchers like Brett Theodos of the Urban Institute say home loans are the single biggest way money flows into Chicago communities. Even if you rent, home loans in your neighborhood make a huge difference in what your community is like. It determines whether you have a pharmacy to shop at or a dry cleaner to go to. It determines what rehabilitation work is going to happen to the multifamily stock that's in your neighborhood determines what other single-family stock is going to be coming to your neighborhood. We looked at seven years of lending, beginning in 2012. In that time, banks and other financial institutions loaned $57 billion for people to buy homes in Chicago. We made a map that plots out where all that money goes in the city. The map shows investment piled high over the city's white neighborhoods. In many black neighborhoods, it's barely visible. And lending is so closely tied to the race of the area, you might think you're looking at one of the old redlining maps. Here are the numbers. 68% of all lending went to majority white areas. Majority black neighborhoods got just 8%. Latino areas, a hair more. That's even though Chicago has fairly similar numbers of white, black, and Latino areas. And we found some of the city's biggest lenders have even more disparate lending records. J.P. Morgan Chase has deep roots in Chicago, and we know for... Chase Bank, they do... 80% of their lending in majority white neighborhoods and 2% of their lending in majority black neighborhoods. That's 40 times more lending in Chicago's white neighborhoods than black. And while Chase has the worst record of all major lenders in Chicago, they're not alone. Bank of America, Guaranteed Rate, Wells Fargo, they all lend at least 10 times more in white areas than they do in Chicago's black or Latino neighborhoods. So, for example, Lincoln Park on the north side of Chicago, gets more investment from lenders than all black neighborhoods combined. And that's not the only neighborhood where that's true. WBEZ approached all the lenders mentioned in this story. No one would comment on tape. So this is Randy Hultgren, incoming president of the Illinois Bankers Association, which represents nearly all banks in the state. I think all of this points to continued issues uh, that need to be addressed. We've got to do better, Uh, all of us.
need to do better. Hultgren says disparities often reflect vestiges of historical underinvestment. That's underinvestment that no one has fixed yet. Not banks, not governments, not communities. In written statements, Chase and other lenders said they're trying to serve all communities. They point to stepped-up grant programs to help homebuyers cover down payments and closing costs and education programs around homeownership. This whole story has been about numbers, but that's not really what this is about. It's about people like Dax Jemison and the community he lives in. Jemison bought a home a couple of years ago with a loan from a nonprofit lender. Wow, it's beautiful. Oh, thank you. So yeah, this is the living room. <laughs> it's particularly meaningful because this had been his grandmother's home. You know, I love it. I love it. A two flat in Greater Grand Crossing on the south side. These are her original bookshelves. I just took them down and painted them and put them back up. Jemison now has rental income from the upstairs apartment. But he's also reaping benefits from homeownership he had not imagined. He sees his kids grounded and stable. It's, 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 a, it's a wonderful feeling. And my wife, too, to know, man, 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 I don't, I don't think we envision it to be like this, like a real getaway for us. I, I have no other way to describe it. But, you know, if you take a vacation to a place that you've never been and it's just like, wow, this is available, like this is here, this is on this earth. That's how a home feels for us. Jemison's kitchen looks out onto a postage stamp-sized backyard. He says for him, it might as well be the ocean. Like, I could sit back here and just look out this dog window all day and just, like, appreciate where I am and what this is about. Now, my next goal and my next step is to, to really bring up the community. He's got ideas to turn vacant lots into parks. He wants more businesses on the commercial strips. And he thinks the house next door, currently boarded up, could really use a homeowner. Linda Lutton, WBEZ News. This afternoon, we'll look up close at the impact of unequal home purchase lending in Chicago from neighborhoods where banks don't lend. Reporting for this story also came from Andrew Fan of City Bureau and from WBEZ editor Alden Lowry. Now we're going to take a look at one big reason why some Chicago neighborhoods are booming while others never seem to get investment. We're looking tonight at mortgage lending. Loans to buy homes represent a critical way money moves into communities. And whether neighborhoods get a little lending or a lot impacts life there for all residents. WBEZ and the nonprofit newsroom City Bureau have been analyzing seven years of home purchase lending in Chicago, and we find patterns reminiscent of redlining, with banks and other financial institutions lending in black and Latino neighborhoods just a fraction of what they do in Chicago's white neighborhoods. WBEZ's Linda Lutton examines what that looks like in neighborhoods where banks don't lend. Aisha Butler is a huge cheerleader for her south side neighborhood of Inglewood. And for a few years now, Butler's been rallying neighborhood residents to, quote, buy the block, buy a home or a vacant lot or an abandoned building near them. Getting people to really look at Inglewood as a place to invest and to purchase properties that are here and available. I mean, we have a lot of homes that could be renovated. She believes ownership is a recipe to turn the community around and challenge crime, poverty, and disinvestment. And she's taking her own advice. So this is um, 62nd and Bishop. Um, this is one of the properties. Butler is rehabbing this sturdy brick two-flat 
And eventually, she wants to sell it to someone who will live here. She got the building through nonprofit loans and grants, but she's worried about what comes next. If you want to sell this property on the market, yeah, right. that buyer is going to need a... A loan. That buyer is going to definitely need a loan. I mean, unless somebody's walking around with 200 k in their pocket. And because we were hit so hard when the market crashed... Back in 2008... Lenders are just not running to Inglewood. And the numbers WBEZ crunched show it's not just Inglewood, but Chicago's black and Latino neighborhoods broadly. Over seven recent years in Chicago, 68% of all the money banks and other financial institutions lent to purchase homes has gone to majority white neighborhoods, 68%. Meanwhile, just 8% of home loan dollars went to black neighborhoods and a little more to Latino communities. That's despite Chicago having pretty similar numbers of white, black, and Latino neighborhoods. Butler says people want to buy. It kills me because when you have a room full of 150 people willing to do what they have to do to purchase property in Inglewood, and and we have banks here. You know, Chase is here, Bank of America is here, U.S. Bank is here. But over seven years, when Chicago was booming, those major banks collectively did just 33 home purchase loans in Inglewood and West Inglewood. That means some of the biggest banks in the country did fewer than two loans a year across six square miles in the heart of Chicago's south side. Butler says a lack of lending keeps buildings vacant and affects the entire health and viability of the neighborhood. Come on, Butler says, it should not be so hard to invest here. We know we don't have the best schools, and we know that we don't have a a thriving retail business corridor. So for somebody to make the decision to purchase in a community like Inglewood, I mean, come on, it should be stacks and stacks and stacks of of opportunities for them to do that. Our findings show the stark lending disparities affect even middle-class communities of color. Hello, sir. Welcome, welcome, welcome. On lots of Saturdays, home buyers can take a trolley tour of homes for sale across several historically middle-class communities on Chicago's south side. We have two trolleys so that if you prefer the all-natural, you're welcome to get on this one. Nidra Sims Fears is executive director of the Greater Chatham Initiative and a tireless neighborhood booster. She narrates as the trolley rolls by stately brick two flats and bungalows with tidy lawns. So I just want to get a, a quick show of hands. How many people are actively looking for homes now? Hands shoot up on the trolley. Just a couple years ago, Sims Fears was house hunting herself in Chatham, where she grew up. And wow, did she find a house. That's a fly ball, beat the left, back, back, that's it, that's it, hey, he did it, Ernie Banks got number 500. Yep, Sims Fears stumbled upon the home of Mr. Cub, Ernie Banks. So this is a ginormous bungalow that was built in 1907, 3,500 square feet on the first and second floor. The craftsmanship is just phenomenal. Corner lot, quiet street. The first floor? It is basically a wall of windows, and so you really feel connected to the neighborhood and to the landscape. 
In the living room, two bookcases are lined with Chicago Cubs red felt. That is where we are told he put all of his trophies. Asking price for the huge corner bungalow was $250,000, but it needed work, a lot of work. None of the windows opened. They weren't operable. The only sink in the entire house at work was the kitchen sink. Sims fears talked the seller down to $160,000. But when she went to get a bank loan, she ran into problems. And those problems have nothing to do with Sims fears or her husband. They have good incomes, good credit scores, good assets, and they planned on doing $200,000 worth of work on the house. That's when appraisers determined that even a completely remodeled house with a modern kitchen and a mother-in-law suite would only be worth $300,000, shockingly low. Sims Fears believes there's one reason for that. The house is in a majority black neighborhood. The low appraisal meant Sims Fears couldn't borrow the money she needed to do the repairs and upgrades, even though she could easily afford the loan. Her lender told her, you've got one choice. Go back to the seller and talk them down further. So it's like they were saying, okay, so this house, this 3,500 square foot, three bedroom house, Ernie Banks house, is only worth $100,000. It was a moral question for Sims Fears. Here she is, neighborhood booster, telling folks to buy into this historic black neighborhood, invest, build wealth for your family. Now she felt like the system was telling her to steal the wealth another family had built up. And I said, well, I know I'm not going to do that. I'll make up the difference. So Sims Fears took $60,000 from her family's savings and put it into the house to get the loan. Just to close, correct. The house that Nidra lives in, put that house a 4,000 north, that house is worth $1.2 million easily. The very same house. Zeke Morris oversees two dozen realtors at Exit Strategy Realty on the south side. He says between 30 and 40 percent of deals he sees, the buyer and seller agree to a price, but the appraisal comes in lower and banks will not lend at the agreed upon price. And a lot of times those deals, they die as a, a result of that. There are whole neighborhoods in Chicago that see so little lending, it's like they're redlined. So why is that happening? Why are banks collectively lending eight times less in Chicago's black and Latino neighborhoods than they are in white neighborhoods? Experts say current lending practices are built atop decades of past discrimination. The fact that banks denied loans in African-American neighborhoods previously means properties there need tons of rehab, making it harder to get loans across entire neighborhoods today. Discrimination can take place without anyone intending to discriminate, experts say. Metrics used to give out loans, things like credit scores, home appraisals, loan-to-value ratios. While they seem objective, the result is far less investment in Chicago communities of color. Profit motive also plays a role, says Sims Fears. The average lender, they don't want to make mortgages for less than 200000 They really want the larger uh, mortgages. It costs lenders roughly the same to process a small mortgage on the south side as it does a large one on the north side. But there's less profit in the smaller loan. And so they just look like they're closed for business. Right in Chatham. J.P. Morgan Chase has not one but two branches with a total of $80 million in deposits. 
but Chase gives out an average of just three loans a year here in this historic middle-class black neighborhood. And for every dollar Chase lends in Chicago's black neighborhoods for home purchases, they lend $41 in Chicago's white neighborhoods, the worst record of any of the city's major lenders. The private market works in white communities. The private market does not work effectively in black communities. Just doesn't. It wasn't set up to work, and it has not worked. Sims fears calls on banks to confront their lending disparities and do better. She's a particularly savvy observer of all this. She was actually a deputy commissioner of housing under Mayor Harold Washington in the 1980s. And she worked for Fannie Mae in the 2000s, developing loan products to fit the needs of lower income communities. That's what financial institutions need to do for Chicago's neighborhoods, she says, come up with loans that work for people in black and Latino neighborhoods. Smaller loans, loans that require less money down, loans that allow for a lot of rehab. Nothing has changed in 40 years. Sims Fears also sees a role here for the city. She says Chicago needs to see its housing stock as part of the city's infrastructure, like sewer pipes or roads, something that needs to be invested in. That could take lots of forms, she says, equity insurance in black neighborhoods, so homeowners can be sure investments they make won't dip below a certain value. Special assistance for people whose homes need more repairs than their property is supposedly worth. Zeke Morris, the realtor, says Chicago's uneven development will not be solved without changes from the major financial institutions. I would tell the the banks that they need to figure out how to do their parts to uh, re-energize the communities. It takes a commitment that is beyond the norm. Unequal investment by financial institutions limits Chicago communities, limits opportunities for families. It's also setting Chicago up for a future that looks a lot like its redlined past. Linda Lutton, WBEC News. Reporting for this story also came from Andrew Fan of City Bureau and from WBEZ editor Alden Lowry. An Illinois state senator from Chicago's South Side wants to question banks about their vastly unequal mortgage lending. WBEZ's Linda Lutton reports. State Senator Jacqueline Collins chairs the Senate's Committee on Financial Institutions. She said she's disturbed by a WBEZ and City Bureau report out this week showing Chicago banks loaned 68 percent of their home purchase money in majority white neighborhoods. Black neighborhoods got just 8 percent. I see the problems when I drive around my community in the abandoned homes or the neglect. Collins said a lack of lending in black neighborhoods has exacerbated black-white inequality. That's what the protests are in the streets about today. Collins says she wants to call banks before her committee soon. Linda Lutton, WBEZ News. Chicago city officials are reacting to a WBEZ and City Bureau investigation that shows extreme lending disparities among the city's white, black, and Latino neighborhoods. WBEZ's Linda Lutton spoke with two city leaders, the commissioner of housing and the city's chief equity officer, about banks' unequal lending, where it comes from, and what to do about it. Of course, Chief Equity Officer Candace Moore has known that white neighborhoods in Chicago get more lending than black areas. But the depth of disparity WBEZ's reporting showed. It's 
shocking. It sort of hits you kind of right in the gut when you see how how significant it is. We give details. One thing they did say they're working toward a massive housing effort in some of the same communities where WBEZ found extremely little lending. Establishing home ownership on the south and west side at a scale to reach critical mass. Novara is talking about an idea for a thousand homes on the south side and a thousand more on the west side. The concept comes from a coalition of community organizations. They want the city to donate vacant lots for the homes. Novara says the idea would be to rebuild disinvested communities on a scale that can really make a difference. We can't just sit back and say, well, um, when there are properties, people will buy them and banks will lend and uh, it'll all just take care of itself. We've seen over and over that that's not the case and we've got to step into a more proactive role. Activists are calling for Chase Bank to make reparations to black neighborhoods or face massive protests. WBEZ's Linda Lutton reports. Former mayoral candidate J. Maul Green issued this demand outside Chase Bank downtown today. One billion in grants. 10 billion in loans. That's to make up for an extreme lack of lending. Over seven recent years, Chase lent 41 times more for home purchases in Chicago's white communities than it did in the city's black neighborhoods. To our community, we are asking that you stop depositing your funds in Chase Bank immediately. Green threatened protests at Chase branches across the city. He was joined by a representative from the Chicago Treasurer's Office, which is meeting with bank CEOs this week to talk about reversing disinvestment. A Chase spokeswoman said she had no comment at this moment. Linda Lutton, WBEZ News. About 20 protesters shut down a J.P. Morgan Chase Bank branch on Chicago's south side yesterday afternoon, and they're threatening to do it again at Chase branches across the city. They're protesting lending patterns exposed by WBEZ and City Bureau that show Chase put 80 percent of its home loan dollars in majority white communities and 1.9 percent in black neighborhoods. WBEZ's Linda Lutton was on the scene. The Chase branch in Bronzeville sits on a busy corner. What's up? What's up? We here. 35th of King Drive. What's up, y'all? Come on in. Pull up. It's time. And before anything even kicked off yesterday, J. Maul Green, age 24, former mayoral candidate with a thousand people watching him on Facebook Live, walked into the branch and politely announced protesters were going to be shutting it down for a while. Hey, everybody, uh, listen up real quick. At 2.30, we're going to have hundreds of people outside of this door. We're going to shut down this chase for the next few hours, all right? Green calmly told customers and bank employees that, according to a recent report, Chase had given out $7.5 billion in home loans in Chicago since 2012. But just a fraction of that money, 1.9%, was loaned in majority black neighborhoods. Finish up your transactions. But we're about to have an action here in a little less than a few minutes. Want y'all to know, we appreciate everybody here. Thank you. Almost as soon as Green walked out, Chase employees locked the bank's doors behind him. Protesters assembling outside had simple flyers with 1.9% written in large font. Soon, a Chase employee hung up a sign on the door, and that was it. All right, y'all. There we go, y'all. They are announcing that they're closing for the rest of the day. Come on, y'all. Due to an emergency, this branch is temporarily closed, the sign said. Only 1.9% is an emergency. 
Consultant LaDonna Miller follows Green on social media. She said personal reasons brought her to the protest. Yes, so I came out today uh, as a businesswoman and uh, being denied loans from Chase Bank uh, with a credit score of over 800. Miller said she applied four times for a loan with Chase. So I believe in these numbers here. I didn't have any sound evidence that people didn't believe me before. And so I'm glad now that Jamal was able to uncover the truth about what's going on to get ready to understand what's happening in our communities. Miller lost a property she was trying to buy. She eventually got a loan on a different property at a different bank. You know, I don't have anything other than my own personal experience before today. And so once he started revealing these numbers, it was like, wow, this is happening to other people. So I have to make it my business to rearrange my work schedule and be out here to support this movement so that we can finally get an answer to what's happening. Lenders as a whole in the city gave 68% of their home purchase dollars to white neighborhoods and just 8% to black neighborhoods. Chase had the most disparate lending of any major bank. That's why Green said he's targeting Chase first. It is time we get our billion dollars of reparations. Say black billions back. Black billions back. Black billions back. Black billions back. Chase. Reparate Chase. And this is our money. Green is demanding reparations. He wants a billion dollars in grants, ten billion dollars in loans for black neighborhoods in Chicago. Like Chatham is a middle class community. They were given on average three home loans a year since 2012. On average, just three in Chatham. Chatham. Chase did not have any immediate comment on protesters shutting down the Bronzeville branch. The bank gave a TV station the same response it gave WBEZ two weeks ago when our report first aired. It says Chase works with nonprofits and local governments to promote homeownership. They've upped down payment assistance, and the bank supports affordable housing. Meanwhile, protesters say Bronzeville was just the first. They're planning pop-up protests at Chase branches around the city. Linda Lutton, WBEZ News. Chase Bank is planning to increase home lending to African-American and Latino families in Chicago to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. The bank wants to address some big inequities revealed by WBEZ this past summer. Here to tell us more is our Linda Lutton. Hi, Linda. Hey, Mary. Can you give us an overview of what Chase is planning to do? Well, Chase says it's going to help more black and Latino families in Chicago become homeowners. The bank says it wants to give out about 3,000 additional loans uh, above what it would normally do and increase lending by $600 million over the next five years. Uh, the effort is part of a $30 billion nationwide commitment Chase announced just yesterday to address the racial wealth gap. Homeownership is very tied to wealth in the U.S. Uh, Chicago was the only city where the bank is making a specific commitment. This comes on the heels of an investigation by WBEZ and City Bureau. You looked at home mortgage lending here, and what you found was an eye-opener. Yeah, we found very deep disparities in how much investment flows to Chicago's white, black, and Latino neighborhoods through banks' mortgage loans. Uh, Chase Bank in our analysis, had the deepest racial disparities of all major lenders. The bank did 80% of its home purchase lending in Chicago's majority white neighborhoods, but only around 5% in Latino neighborhoods and just 2% in black neighborhoods. So that degree of disparity was shocking. Activists picked up on this reporting. The Chicago activist J. Mall Green took to protesting outside Chase Bank branches. Did that play any role here? 
That's definitely right. Uh, Green has been demanding Chase give the black community a billion dollars in reparations. And yeah, his protests have led to the temporary closure of dozens of Chase branches. And Chase is acknowledging activism's role in bringing about this change. I talked with Sarita Battles. She's the head of affordable lending at Chase nationally. I think Jamel and the city of Chicago brought some things to our attention. And I'm glad that they held us accountable to some of those things. It was necessary for us to pay strict and close attention to the work that we were doing in the Chicago market. Chase was also talking to Chicago community groups. They helped inform sort of the nuts and bolts of this plan. The bank is hiring community home lending advisors. Uh, Those people will be on staff at branches on the south and west sides and will really walk people through the home loan process. Chase also says it's expanding grants to homeowners and it's touting a loan that requires a very small down payment. What are the activists saying about Chase Bank's plans? Uh, well, I did check in with J. Maul Green. He calls this a step in the right direction. Thankfully, Chase is starting to listen, um, but these are drops in a bucket for them. Hopefully, they'll start to be proactive about really doing what they should be doing in neighborhoods of color all throughout the country and changing their racist lending practices. $600 million, that number sounds huge, is it? Well, uh, that depends on how you look at it. $600 million is pretty huge, uh, but it is spread out over five years. And remember, just 2% of Chase's home purchase lending went to black neighborhoods. So that's a, a small number. And when you double a small number, you still have a small number relatively. Uh, even so, the bank says this is not going to be easy. It's going to have to make a real effort it hasn't made in the past to get to these new lending targets and to get many more Black and Latino families into homes of their own. That's Linda Lutton, Chicago Neighborhoods reporter here at WBEZ. Thank you, Linda. Thanks, Mary. Illinois lawmakers grilled bankers yesterday on racial disparities in lending. WBEZ's Linda Lutton reports. After hours of testimony about paltry home mortgage lending in black communities, State Senator Robert Peters had this question for the banks. Considering the history from redlining to shady mortgages and the Great Recession to these loan disparities, how are we to trust our financial institutions? I can't expect that you will trust us or anything just based on a commitment. Sarita Battles is with Chase, which just announced it will increase lending to Black and Latino families in Chicago. We have to make sure that we roll up our sleeves and do the work in the community. The hearing also included ideas from advocates like a new Homestead Act for Black people to buy property, more credit unions, and state regulations mandating investment. Linda Lutton, WBEZ News.